Welcome to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts speaking, Frank. I am an active New York City police officer, and I'm part of Reps for Responders. I've had the honor and privilege to journey through the labyrinth with my other host, Jay, the real Jumpman Jay on Instagram. He's a veteran officer and also part of the SWAT team in one of the cities in New York. We would just like to thank you for journeying through the labyrinth with some of the great guests that we have had on the show so far. We will continue to make episodes with all the positive feedback that we have received. If anyone has any idea, topic, or anyone we would like to interview, please email us at repsforresponders at gmail.com. Reps for Responders is a nonprofit out of Rockland County, New York. We provide free open gym for all active, retired, and volunteer first responders, military, and veteran. Reps for Responders also has a weekly Zoom meeting, which is a support group every Sunday at 7 p.m. to let first responders and military let off steam or talk about anything that they want to talk about, positive, negative, or anything they're struggling with. Reps for Responders has five certified recovery coaches through New York State to help battle addiction and alcoholism. If anyone is struggling, please don't be afraid to reach out to Reps for Responders. You can find us on Instagram at reps underscore four underscore responders or visit our website at repsforresponders.org. Again, from myself and Jay, personally, we thank you. As a recovering alcoholic, I would like to personally thank you because you have kept me sober just for today. All in and have a great day. Welcome, welcome. We are back. Jay, I feel it, that, that music like is, is literally music to my ears every single time. It gets better and better. Sets the tone, kid. Sets the tone, baby. So today, first of all, Jay, I want to say thank you, man. It's, it's an honor. This, this is the uh, finale of season one. Yeah, and man. it flew by. The time flew by, man. So I want to thank you and thank everyone who's listened so far. It's been two first two weeks. We've had just about 300 plays. So, um, that's good, bro. It's really yeah. cool. Really cool. And, um, just a little recap, see if I can get this right. Uh, episode one, we had Aaron Lohman, aka Huge Fat Loser. Huge Fat Loser. Episode two, we had Josh Bryan from Jailhouse Strong. That was a great, great, great episode. Episode three, we had James Gearing from Behind the Shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode four, we had Alan Thrall from Untamed Strength. Badass. That's coming out today. Today's April 28th, 2020. Episode five, we had Danny Toshi. Yeah. Episode, episode six, we had the one and only Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw. And now, episode seven, the finale, we got a. Uh, <clears throat> we started with a NYPD vet. Now we're ending season one with another NYPD vet. So before we introduce him, Jay, what do you got for us? What's up? It's uh, you know, it's me, the real Jumpman Jay. Uh, here, my boy Frankie V. Uh, you know, with the season finale, he said he got a he had a great guest, and you know he kept talking him up. So I was like, all right, man, bring him on, bring him on, because you know I want to see what all the talks about. So uh, I just want to let you know, Frankie speaks very highly of you. All right, uh, and I've been highly anticipating this uh, interview. He says you're a very awesome, interesting human being. So Frankie, I'm gonna let you uh, segue our guest in. Yeah, 
Yeah, I want to introduce uh, Detective Mike Smith. Uh, not only is he a, a good person that I've been able to get close with within the past year, um, as a good cop and really a good friend, a guy I can go and talk to, and has a lot, not only a lot of life experience on the job, but life in general. So, Mike, introduce yourself, man. Yeah, How man, old are you? Good. How old are you? Where do you live? And what do you do for a living? 37. Um, live in Staten Island still. And I've been a detective for six years on the job for 15 years. NYPD. Time on the job, kid. Yeah. Got those, got those three hash marks, huh? I don't even wear them, man. <laughs> I don't wear none of that stuff. <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't wear you know? mine. I don't wear none of that stuff no more. Yeah, but uh, power things been going good, man. Frankie came along, came, jumped on the team, and uh, you know, I'm sure. Uh, have you told him about the team? Yeah, I actually yeah. have a shirt. I have a shirt oh, already. Yeah, right. um, one of my friends right uh, was able to uh, snatch me a shirt. So she posted it on her page. I was like, Jalissa, you got to pick that up for me. So I met up with oh, her. Frank, snat- Frankie's got the ghetto shirt on. I got to get him a real shirt. Yeah, get him a real shirt, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, outside suburbs, Rockin' County, real ghetto, so I got to represent. <laughs> man. So before before we ask any questions about you, Mike, it's one LIPD policy topic. <clears throat> to tell, like, the listeners what really, I mean, and powerlifting is pretty pretty straightforward, but how it right. kind of came alive and how you kind of became, I don't want to make it sound like ownership or the boss or the, like, you know, you run it, you run it smooth, and you're the head guy to talk to. So how did that come about, and why powerlifting? Well, uh, it first started because my my uh, good friend of mine became the CEO of NYPD Sports. This guy, uh, Manny Quo, he's a lieutenant. Okay, great dude, man. He's uh, he's been through the ringer. He was Tazulo's partner the night that uh, Sergeant Tazulo was shot, killed. Mm-hmm. Manny was shot in the leg. You know, he went through a tough time. Became the sports CEO, and um, he needed teams. So I was like, why not powerlifting? You know. So we merged with CrossFit to make it easy for the transition, and it was a disaster, bro. Like, we uh, went to the CrossFit gym, we <laughs> took the place over, not in any disrespectful way, but, you know, our boys needed weights to use, so we took all their weights. <laughs> so, you oh, know, that lasted sense. about a day, and um, we had, like, a com- combination. Our Instagram page was called CrossFit and YPD Powerlifting. That became just separated right off the bat. Um and then uh, one of our guys that was considered the president just, like, dropped out. And then I was like, you know, screw this. I, I didn't want it to be, like, a team that had a president and a vice president. So I just took, like, the six best and said, yo, let's just come up with ideas, share them, and, and vote them in. And, and, you know, this is powerlifting. It's very mm-hmm. simple. You know, squat bench and deadlift, very, very simple. Frankie actually is the first one that brought the strongman to light with us. Uh, we didn't have that before him. Okay. Once Frankie introduced that, we became like you know pretty powerful in that aspect. We got a couple of good strongmen on the team now too. Okay, so um, just to enlighten our listeners, NYPD has a plethora of teams. Um, Frank, yeah. Frankie and I also played for uh, the NYPD football team uh, at separate times, but nonetheless, we played for uh, we played for the team. Um, I got on in like two thousand. Well, I got hired July 11, 2005, and um, as soon as I got out in January, they scooped me up to play on the team. And then um, I left in 2007 to my department now. And um, the one thing I can say uh, that's that's good about the job is that they have these teams. You know, they got yeah. boxing, basketball, soccer, you name it, they have it. And um, I think it's a good way to build camaraderie. And um, 
you know, uh, like I'm on a much smaller job and we don't have these things. And that's, so that's like one of the main right. things that I miss just having like that, uh, that brotherhood being able to, you know, link up with a few guys on the job that, you know, you like, and obviously yeah. they're, they're like-minded and they're doing this, you know, they have a common interest They're doing the same thing that you're doing. Um, kind of makes things easier. If you have a bad day and you're in the gym with, you know, a couple of your boys, I mean, it makes a, it makes a world of a difference. It's a way for people to, um, you know, get out that extra energy in a positive light instead of, you know, sitting at a bar, throwing them back or, you know, doing some kind of destructive, be, uh, destructive behavior. So yeah. I just want to, you know, commemorate you guys for uh, coming up with the team, you know, building a brotherhood outside of just, you know, us being in a uniform. I think cops need this. So shout yeah, out to you guys. Yeah, Jay, thanks for that, man. I uh, gotta, gotta tell you, 2007, man. I was a sophomore in high school, so let that let that just sink in a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, brother. man, you're a young pup, bro. <laughs> when, uh, let the old dogs played, talk, kid. When you played football, were you with James Pedro and those guys? Yeah, yeah. You remember James? Yeah. He was one of my first partners, man. I'm, I still talk to him to this day. Okay. He uh, got three quarters and went out to North Carolina. Oh, good for him, man. So yeah, he's, yeah. he's living a nice life. Yeah, living a good life down in Carolina. Yep. yep. So, Mike, let's. Uh, we're gonna bump it back. Let's let's go. Hop in your labyrinth a little bit, man, and uh, start your labyrinth and kind of why not? You know why? But I asked the same question to Sergeant Loman, huge fat loser. What made you take the test, and what made you keep going through with the whole entire thing? So the start of of your own police journey. For me, this was just something I always wanted to do. It wasn't like I just needed to get a job and take a test like you get now. You know, um, being a cop was always something I needed to do. No one in my family was a cop. Um, I found out actually recently that like uh, an uncle I never knew was in the 5th Precinct years ago. Oh, wow. But other than that, you know, I never knew I had any any family on this job. But uh, I don't know. It was one of those jobs where you soar and you were like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. You know? And I think that's what made this job so good then is that everybody liked that were the same. People didn't just take the job to get a paycheck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now we're starting to see that more and more where, oh, I can't find a job. Let me take the police test. You know, for us coming in, man, it was hard. Yeah, it wasn't easy. It wasn't it was easy hard. at all. Not back then. Shit. You know, right. Now you see this and you're like, you laugh at it. I went to the academy and I was like, wow, things change, man. Yeah, the new one is like, it looks like a like a five-star resort. It's crazy. Yeah. They're in yeah. a hotel. Nobody gets yelled at. Yeah, it's crazy. Man. Kinder, gentler <laughs> yeah, yeah. society. That's there. what it is. They, they fed me lobster. Dude, but that's what built <laughs> us. You know what I mean? Like that old school police academy built us to make us what we are now. You True. know, I'll never forget that. As, as much as I hated it, I loved it. Yeah, you know what? And anybody that I've ever spoken to that's went through that academy says the same thing. Was, you had like yeah. a love-hate relationship for it, but it, it built character, man, and it made you appreciate yep. some things. Definitely did. Because when you came out of there, you were ready to go to work. Absolutely. 1,000%. You know, you weren't afraid. You were ready to get your hands on stuff and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So when you get out of the academy, like, where where'd you end up starting to I impact, go, right? I go right to the 120 precinct, man. Right on a foot post, Park Hill, Stapleton, West Brighton, every day. Just Ooh. rotate. Walking around every day. Uh, was that was um was that an impact precinct or no? It was, yeah. Oh, okay. Operation yes, Impact, shout out to all the vets out there. Operation Impact, yep. you know nothing about that, Frankie. No, that's, you that's, don't know that's, nothing that about that kid. Stuff, man. That was real. Good that was stuff. real police work. You know? Mike, how old were you when you got out there? Twenty-two. Huh. I started right out there. 
Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was about the same age. I was 21. Age? I was 21. Yeah, so well, you all start. You're yeah, a kid, you, you know, you're a freaking kid, man. Yeah. You are, but see, you have that old school mentality like we do. When we came out, we didn't just, you know, very humble. You're not coming out there like know-it-all. Yeah. You know, you don't ask questions. You do what you're told, and, and that's it. You learn. Mm-hmm. Now right. I, I look at things, and I'm like, wow, man, what is what's happening? Yeah. It's crazy. That double take, like, what did you just say to me? Like, wait, what? <laughs> it's crazy, you know? man. It's nuts. Yeah, but so, I went right right into Impact from there, and then I did uh, – I did some patrol. Okay. I took some whack deal with auto loss and he came right back to the one two O. I lasted like twenty <laughs> days there. I was like, I don't want this. Came back to the O and um I wanted to go to Snoop. Snoop was like the the elite at yeah. that time. Nobody gave a crap about anti crime and all that stuff. They wanted Snoo. So uh the Snoo sergeant lost a stolen car during during an operation mm-hmm. and he's I had like day twelve patrol. So he calls me up and he's like, listen, if you find the stolen call, you're on the team tomorrow. So like 40 minutes later, man, I called him over the air. I was like, I got your stolen call. Oh, and then shit. I became, uh, that's when I started working with James Pedro and Snoo. Okay. Oh, and from Snoo, we went to, that got to span years later after just doing Snoo stuff. Um, we became crime. And then uh, 2012 happened and then squad. So... So, so, so for people that never heard of Snoo or, or don't know what the hell it is, even if they're not NYPD, what, 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 what was Snoo? So Snoo was only in selected precincts that had um, bad, bad drug problems. Yep. You're basically a uniform narc- narcotics team, but um, narcotics hated us because we would make them look like clowns, man. We I, would. I remember and that it was, too, man. Like There was always like that uh, that yeah. tension between narco and yep. you know Snoo. I, I always remember that. Yeah, man. man. But that's what that's what made me that's what finished me, man. That's what made me who I am still. Even with powerlifting, man, you go back to those snooze days because they were tough. If you couldn't handle yourself or you couldn't make decisions, you were done. And we had a great boss, man. I still still talk to this dude. And that was like the best time ever on the NYPD. Yeah, it kinda So you're saying that Snoo basically that was you into that, not only yep. a better cop, but a better person all around. Like absolutely, man, making decisions, right? Absolutely, because there were situations that like you could never ever think would happen to you, and yet you find yourself getting out of them. Mm. Easy, because of the guys you're around. It's weird. Yeah, you how's it come out? How was the camaraderie? In it was. I would never. The closest thing I have to that is right now in the office that I'm in now, which is odd. Everybody gets along. You can kind of trust everybody the Chinatown office, but I never had that until I left Snoo. Once I left Snoo, it was garbage after that. Like, it was bad. You ran, you, I worked with some friends, you know, some good friends I grew up with in the neighborhood, good people, but um, it was different with the Snoo guys. They knew, like, you had to have each other's back. It wasn't playtime. It was go to work and get it done. Right. Like, this is not, this is real life. This is not, no, this is no, um, you know, going to a ten tens calls for help and holding nah, it for man. twenty minutes. This is real right. deal all day, every day. Real deal stuff, and that's kind of what I think prepared me for the unexpected in twenty twelve. You know, if I didn't have that knowledge behind me and that that teachings of I'm, my old boss, name was uh Bobby Wyshewski. We used to call him Batman, bro, because <laughs> when shit hit the fan, we throw the bat signal up in the air and he'd come out of nowhere and, and just make sure everybody was good. <clears throat> So now it was weightlifting. Let's hit about a little bit of weights, Mike. Was weightlifting then? then too for you as well? It was, but not like it is now. 
it was like more of like, yo, let me go to the gym and today's a uh, chest day. And, you know, you never, yeah. listen, I worked in a gym and I worked, the guy I used to work in the gym was a bodybuilder. So to me, all I knew was uh, back and biceps, chest and triceps. Like now I look at it and I'm like, nah, that was all garbage back then. I was wasting time, you know? I think that's how most people got to the gym, though, you know, like those bro sessions. Yeah. Off, yeah. 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 That's how you, you know, get in. Your body in, really didn't change, you mm-hmm. know, but it changed the minute you start powerlifting. Absolutely. Like you see changes right away. And you probably see more, a lot more changes in your mind, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You let go. A lot of, a lot of anger gets let go picking up that bar, man. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. A lot. I had, you know, I had a bad run in, in the, uh, going into the detective bureau where they put me it was plain man it was boring Mm -hmm. sitting at a desk typing you're working with people that are afraid of their own shadows and you're like how are you afraid man we're we're sitting at a desk typing like let me ask you a question right so like when you made that transition from being like a street cop to now being behind a desk um like how'd you take that man like it's like it was tough man I day one, I wanted to come back. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I that's got to be tough. One. You know, you're a guy, you, you know, active guy, and then now you got to sit behind the desk and, you know, yeah. you're going through cases, you know, you're doing follow-ups, and right. I, I, I know that had to kill you, man. It did. It, it made me miserable, all-around all miserable. I went back to numerous chiefs that I just had a relationship with, and I was like, can you get me out of here? And they're like, you can't be – they basically said the rules changed – you know, the street work is done for guys like you. It's over. Yeah. So you're better off at the desk. And it just, it was miserable. And you're still young in your career, Mike, right? You weren't even at 10 years yet. I was at 20, 2014. I went into detective bureau. So, uh, eight years, eight years yeah, about yeah, nine, 10 years, you know, still young, still got, a lot, right. still, got, still got some time left. So you're at the detective bureau. What, what unit was that? Grand Larceny Squad. Grand Larceny. Yeah, it's always been the same. And where is that unit out of? Staten Island, Edgewater Plaza. Okay, so you, you covered all Grand Larceny cases in Staten Island? You would get, like, uh, repeat offenders, patterns, um, high-end finance crimes, stuff like that. Again, it's not exciting by any means, <laughs> you know? You're like, uh, somebody broke into a car, great. <laughs> Let me so go get him. So do you think that's how powerlifting kind of came into your life and made it feel more exciting for you? Like you were actually giving you that, because I'm the same way too, that adrenaline rush or that life of that, that feeling of life or yeah. feeling of purpose type of deal? It did. Cause at the same time I met, I met Henry Skiba. Um, Skiba kind of, you know, showed me the way. Um, he helped me build that Edgewater gym into a, basically a, uh, a decent powerlifting gym. So now I was bored behind the desk, but yet I could walk four doors down and I got my own gym in the, in the building. So it worked out well in that, in that aspect. Now, who is, who is Skiba? Who is Henry? He's the legend, bro. He's the GOAT. You know that. Skiba, uh, he runs the only West Side barbell facility other than West Side Barbell. Skiba's gym is West Side certified. So oh, wow. anything in West Side... You'll find that Skiba is Frankie's been there. He'll tell you it's it's not a a fancy place by any means, but yeah. it has everything that you need to get yourself strong. Westside conjugate. That's where it's at. 
You want to get strong? Yeah. That's what you got to do right there. But he, uh, yeah, he's filled with all knowledge, man. He followed his way. I was going to say, it's not really like a gym. It's like a dungeon. Like, you can feel it. Like, you yeah. can feel all the blood, sweat, and tears that went in there. And it's, it's not like your uh, powerhouse or, no. It's actually like a, a legit house turned into a gym. It is. It's yeah. grimy. It's dirty. But a lot of a lot of training for life and lifting has been in there. And a lot of just hard work is put in there. Just when you walk in, you you can you can tell. Yeah, it's a good spot. But uh, he, he's always, even when uh, when COVID broke out, I went down there, I picked up a bunch of weights and set it up in my basement. So I, I had something to do. And then I wasn't stir crazy or, or going crazy without lifting the weights. So I have something here. He's a good dude. So, around 2014, you're, you get into the borough. Now, in 2012, you're telling me not, I know it's hard to talk about, or just you got into a crazy something out in the streets that affected probably your life and your career forever, right? Yeah, man, 2012, it was just a snowy, snowy night, February 2nd. I think it was on February 3rd, right before the Super Bowl. And uh, we had a uh, tip of somebody with a firearm. We go to stop and he pulls the gun. He goes to get one off and his gun actually jams. So I take a shot. My partner takes a shot. And he's he's apprehended at that point. But I'm like, "Ah." to go back to the snoo days, the reaction was much faster than how I just explained it, Mm -hmm. obviously. And I don't think I would have had the reaction without working with those guys in SNU. You know, it would have been a whole different game. Now, not, I don't want to talk about anything about what happened that night, the case or none of that, because we're not talking about that. I want to talk about the mental effect, Mike, that it had on you. Mental, it was... The, uh... for the first, not, even, not even the day after. I'm talking about the weeks, months, and even, even today, even today, Mike, you know? It was like taking a whole bottle of pre-workout at one time after that happened. Mm. It was crazy, you know, because when you sit back and you think about what just happened, you're like, oh, you know, I could have got shot. My partner could have got shot. You know, thank thank God everything was good. We, we did what we had to do. But um, I think the, the worst part of it was kind of getting forgotten about. Like, we kind of got pushed to the side right after that. You know, they took the guns their investigation whatever everything was good and you're just waiting you know and then then we wound up like at one point i think we were sweeping the back of the one twelve precinct what? and we're looking at each other we're like what the fuck man like we just like yeah we never pat ourselves on the back but we just took out a guy that was going to do a home evasion yeah. and was sweeping the back of a fucking precinct yeah man and then that's when the uh the kind of like you know, that's where I kind of got the, the chip on my shoulder. Like, I was like, fuck this job, man. Like, this is getting crazy now, you know? Like, there's there's no respect. You're just a number. Yeah, you know what? Um, you're the, So I have a, a friend that got into a situation on the job down there, and he said the same thing. You know what I mean? It's like, good shoot, clean, you know, everything was mm-hmm. by the book, you know, use of force continuum and so on. And it's like, they take your guns, and it's a waiting game. And yeah. then they kind of leave you in limbo. You know what I mean? Like like you said, like you and your boy were in the back of the 120 sweeping. Sweeping, man. And you're just like, damn. Like you you, you potentially, 
you took someone off the street, right, that was going to potentially cause harm to other human beings, right? And the least they could do is, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say make it comfortable, but I, there's there's no reason why I should be sweeping or taking out trash or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you know, this is a thankless job. We know this. We know this, you know, and we know that when we, you know, when we took that oath that, you know, we were potentially being in harm's way. We understand that. But when you do something and it's by the book, right? why not give the guy a pat on the back like a data boy and make sure that, you know, he's doing okay? Because I don't think they understand the psychological effects that that has. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I went out here, I reacted, right? And, I, and, and we did the right thing. We put somebody down and it was, it was by the book. But now you're going to take my gun away. All right, we get that investigation. I want to make sure everything's good, you know, ballistic-wise and all of that. But what about the, you know, the, the the human being? It's not just the shield, dude. You know what I'm saying? It's a there's a human being behind that. There's a heart. There's a soul there. And yeah. You're gonna, and you're just going to have me, you know, in limbo, just kind of waiting here. And, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, basically a janitor? I don't know. That kind of kills me, man. You're not the first yeah. person I heard say that, man. And it kind of it, it breaks my heart a bit, dude. It was tough, man. And then, actually, the only – we got our guns back – the day Chief Esposito retired, um, he's another good man. That's Solid dude, job. yeah, Chief Esposito. Solid guy. Um, and uh, he put us back full duty mm-hmm. and then retired five minutes later. Wow. That's, he, was, wow. He, knew, he knew we would have been lost in the shuffle. So he puts us back to work full duty, and now the one one is being built in Staten Island, mm-hmm. and the one is going to get split in half. So all that talk about us going to the detective bureau – you know, you guys got in a shooting. It was all out the window. So we found out we got transferred to the one two one right after we got our guns back. How'd you we take like, that, you man? Know, like it was like they tried to spin it like, "Oh, we need you guys there for your uh, for your knowledge, your senior guys." But you know, we were just getting dumped at that point. My partner's a marine, bro. He's been deployed three or four times. He's a he's a war hero. He, he's a good dude, and mm-hmm. you know, for him, he took that hard too because it's like. Like this kid's more of a he's he's established with the Marines, man. Like he's been at war for the country and stuff. Yeah. And we just went through a decent shooting, and now we're getting bounced to the one two one. So from there, we, we waited it out there for a while. I would say about a year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. and then we got split. Yeah. So they took him, put him in the one two two squad, and then they took me and put me in Grand Larceny when Grand Larceny opened up. Okay. Now, Mike, when you were going through that, right? Did you? How'd you kind of cope with that? Did you talk to anyone about it? Or did you talk to your no, partner man. or you kind of just held it in the whole time? I held that in. And, and the one thing that kind of like helped me out was my son with his youth hockey. I got to be around the kids and uh, a lot of time to coach the kids and, and um, learn the game from my son's coach. So it, it was good because I put a lot of time in. Like I basically coached that team for a few years after that with the kids. And, you know, it was a good time. They were kind right. of my, they were kind of my out. Right, your outlet, that was your coping mechanism, your distraction of all the hell that's going around yeah. around you. You're able to find something like that, right. which is great, man. I'm happy you were able to have that because who knows if you don't have, like, even that, it's, 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 a, it's not a huge thing. It's, it's, you're doing something else, for, especially for your son, and you're able to help yourself at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I still try to keep involved as much as I can with that too. Still. Yeah. I try to keep, I try to get those kids involved with more of the powerlifting, you know, not to the extreme, but more of the functional movements because, uh, I, I see like 
when the kids play teams from other places, those kids destroy us. Or they destroy kids from around this part of town because those kids put the work in off the ice. Or no matter what sport it is, no, no matter what sport they're playing, they're putting that, that work in the gym. You don't see that often here. I think a lot of people still don't understand how important that is for Oh, no, it makes a world of a difference. Sports, yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah, it's, it's – I think we hit that with Brian last week, last episode. It was like the work you put in of with the teammates, with your team, on the outside, you get to grow and know each other more, and you're going through, you know, preparing for battle where not every single kid and person on the team is always going to play that, that all, all together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like the same outlet with the powerlifting. We're all training together, and when you go on the platform, it's just you. But you can have that, you can have that energy and the remembrance of why the hell am I? Why am I here? Right? What? Why did I work so hard to be on this platform? And you know, that's probably one of the best feelings ever, right? Jumping yeah. up on that platform, man. Ultimately, you're doing it for yourself. <clears throat> I always said is that you know, powerlifting is just you, and it's a you versus you mentality. But also, you also have that feeling of all right. Well, I just worked here with all the guys and the team, and you don't want to let those guys down, and that's how it runs through my mind sometimes. Yeah. So you were then you went in Grand Larceny, and Grand Larceny was for how many years now? Too many years there right now. Six years, man. Too many years there. The whole and, six of the detective were done there. And in your mind, I'm I'm getting a feeling like I kind of didn't even want to come here. I didn't put in for here. Not here, and you were you were unhappy. It's like Very a relationship un- that you didn't even want to be in, and and you, you don't know how to get out. <laughs> Very unhappy. The only thing that I had was um, Sunday Mondays off, which again allowed me to keep involved with what my son had going on. It, it, the schedule was good for me, and then you become complacent, and you're like, all right, the schedule works, so screw it, I'll stick it out. You know, and that's not good either. You know, it's, it's not good either to get complacent with the schedule because then you become, I'm going to say, you become like a robot. You know, you start tiptoeing around not to cause any waves because you don't want to lose that schedule. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now when the Chinatown things come comes around, you know, they, they pretty much unleash the beast, bro. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> you know, that the best way to put it. Because now, now, listen, I drive to work, drive over the bridge. I love the place. I'm never coming back. I'm staying there. It is what it is. So they lost a quality guy. Again, I'm not blowing myself up, but they lost probably one of their better investigators in the office because we had a lot of people jump on that work from home bandwagon. Gotcha. I'm sure you get that to where you are. Too, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. I could definitely see uh, the uh, not even just like, but not like you were in bad spirits, but just more of like a, better spirits than coming where you are now than where you were before this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you said it before, like when you were in the grand larceny unit, it's like, you know, I wasn't here, but I made it work for me. And that's what a lot of people also need to realize. Like, even if you're in a place where you don't want to be, and Mike, you could be a good example for this. You too, Jay, because you've been all over the place. Like most likely it's not going to last forever. If you do the right thing and you find something else that can make you, make it work for you that's literally it like make it work for you don't get so down because once you start getting down and you're like f this place this sucks this that not only is it going to affect you it's going to affect your police work it's going to affect your home life it's going to affect so many different things where especially as cops we can't talk about it and that's the issue that a lot of guys and people are having today is 
you get wrapped up in the labyrinth, man, and then you're running through that maze and yeah. you're just running in circles. Yeah. That's the worst so I'm happy you uh you brought that up and now you're here and but you're not here because of they needed guys. You're here because of of COVID. So when you first got sent over there, what was your mind like? <sighs> Listen, you get you you get pissed right off the bat because like I, I you know when the message came down to go, they needed uh, help over there because they were getting wiped out by the virus. So uh, you know we're in Staten Island. The first guy that was set to go, he pulled the he's overweight card. He's got to work from home. So oh man, and, and he yeah, now he got time on too, which you know like those guys with time on, believe it or not, they get upset when you kind of back out. At that point, and you've been around for nine eleven, you've been around for all that stuff. Don't go home. Work if you could work, work. Yeah. Because there's people that need to be home for legit reasons that want to come to work, but they're home. So it's kind of disrespect, disrespectful all around. So he winds up going home because he's chubby. <laughs> and then uh, the next guy up, he pulled the asthma card. And listen, I don't care if you got asthma, but how could you run Spartan races four times a year? And go out with asthma, right? Yeah, he got convenient asthma. That's what he has. So then I get the call, and I'm not one to just go sick or play the game. So I was like, listen, I'll go. Whatever, I'll go. I was pissed, but when I got there, the people there were different, man. So much different. And they actually allow you to be a detective in this squad. And that's pretty much all I ever wanted. Just let me be a detective, leave me alone, let me do my thing, and I'm going to get it done for you. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it is there. So it was a blessing in disguise, man. So actually, I reached out to the chief, the chief of D's office, and um, spoke to somebody up there. And I was like, "Listen, I don't want to go back." And they were shocked. They were like, "You, you, you want to stay there?" I'm like, "Yeah." And that actually went a long way, bro. For so something like that, that I just did could have possibly put me in good position down the road in the future, maybe, just by saying, you know, leave me here. Yeah. And and the guys in that office, man, they actually respect the work that I've done in the past, which I never had. You go to Grand Lawson, man, you're working with people that never done a thing. Yeah. And you're kind of like, what's going on here? You know? The chubby guy, like I was telling you about, he goes out sick or would have worked from home. I've been trying to get him to use the gym for two years. The gym is four doors down from our office. Yeah. Come on, there's no excuse. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. And Frank, you know, I have no filter, man. And once this came to a, to a head, the, the, any type of filter that I had was just officially over. <laughs> it was gone. It was gone at that point. Oh man, yeah, that was like a that that was that was like a, a rated R plus uh, conversation where I had to be like, Health and e- wellness doesn't easy even tiger, repost, yeah. yeah. Health and wellness doesn't even repost my Instagram stuff anymore <laughs> because they're like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Sometimes I wake up to them and look at my DMs. I text Mike. I said, "I go, Mike. What the hell are you doing, man?" <laughs> but you know, you, but we need you need guys like you need guys like Mike that are able to. You, you can't be afraid of what you say, and sometimes the truth hurts, or and sometimes and most of the time, like the truth will set you free, man. Some guys, you know, some people need that. Look at that smack in the face and be like, "Wow, you know, that's a reality check." Where, and especially Mike, you're like, you know, you told that guy, you know, the gym's four doors down. And you're kind of, in my, what I'm getting at is like, you're not just sending him in there. You're like, you're going to be in there to help him out. So, you know, and you, you know, like people that never go in the gym before, they might be nervous or afraid to go in there, but you're not one of those guys. It's like, all right, man, just go in there and work out. Nah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll show you the ropes type of deal where you don't get a lot of guys like that. 
even even my whole building, bro. If you go in that gym, I have like uh, I printed out stuff. You know, anybody that needs help, come see me. I have my my Instagram tags up there. I have my phone number on there. It's just like how far you want to go to take advantage of that. Yeah. Nobody really does. You know, yeah. not many do. Not many guys are put that out there either. You know what I mean? It's like you gotta give yourself a little credit because you know you're more than willing to help your fellow police officer. It's like you know here it is. You have somebody willing to help you change but the problem is you know people don't want to step out of that comfort zone you know what i mean it's nah. like uh now nah, i'm gonna feel a little awkward being in here doing something i'm not too comfortable you know with but nonetheless it's gonna it's gonna help you become a better a human being but be a better cop you know what i'm saying so it's just like why not yeah. take advantage of somebody giving free knowledge free game right and then you know at the same time, you're improving yourself on, on, on two different levels, being, you know, a better human and a better cop. But, you know, people take that shit and, uh, you know, they kind of just leave it by the wayside. And it just doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, bro. It's just, it yeah, is what it true. is, man. You know, we see tons they of this stuff that. on on job, on, like, like, like on our job, you know what I mean? So, And especially with everything going on now, and I kind of get annoyed from this, like, What's going on right now is terrible, and it's it's mind effing a lot of people. But this is a time to like, and I see it all over social media too. Like you know, egogram I call it right, not Instagram. Egogram it's it's a, it's a really powerful tool that people need to understand how powerful it is if you don't use it in a positive way. That it can mind screw a lot of people, and a lot of people just put out kind of look at me, look at me, and you just see a lot of people drinking, a lot of people eating like crap, and it's like you know the bad habits that we're building up right now so when and you can't even say when things go back to normal because things aren't going back to normal but when things start opening up and you're able to be with other people you just built these habits after two or three months of every single day of really bad habits that's going to be hard to break yeah and you should be using this time youtube google ideas doing things that you were afraid to do or didn't know how to do to learn like i remember reaching out to jay like you know this podcast i never thought in you know we just finished a whole season within three weeks of a podcast, you know, and here we are the two cops in New York, you know, like, and we have Brian Shaw on our podcast. And, you know, sometimes Mike, you said it too, like, you don't, you know, you're not like a egotistic person or always, you know, showboating yourself, but sometimes you got to give yourself a pat on the back because the hard work that we put in is like, it pays off, you know, literally like follow the course. And in my mind, you know, staying sober, working out, helping other people. Like, there's no other better feeling in the world, and that's good karma, man, you know? Like, it's, it's true. What, what you put out there is going to come back out there, and I just I just wish people, more people now wouldn't, would have been able to put in the work and put in different learning experience, like, learn something new. Come out of this yeah. COVID with learning something new and feeling much better than yourself. Like, this was the perfect time to literally go in the labyrinth, to dissect what was your, you know, everyone has an issue what was your weakness and get stronger at that? And you see a lot of people just, Oh, it's free time to do nothing. Just drink yeah, and get yeah. drunk. I and don't understand that at all. It's uh, it's, it, it's sad. Honestly, you know, I said so, that during this whole quarantine situation, I'm going to come out on the other end, you know, better than I was when I came in, you know what I mean? Cause it's like a lot of dead time, you know, um, there's no, there's no restaurants. The problem is people were addicted to being busy. That was the whole issue. Like, now you have nothing to do, right? You're, you're home, eat it. So this is going to expose a lot of, like, chinks in the armor, so to speak, right? You're going to have, you know, people that are home with spouses that they were never really home with, right? And then you have other people who don't really have 
anything else outside of what they do for a living, that nine to five, they have nothing else, right? So now you compound that and that leads to, you know, hella stress and no outlet. And that's when things start to deteriorate and break down. Yeah. And um, shout out to, to, to Aaron Lohman. Um, he's got a podcast. He has, he has a podcast out too right now. And, uh, you know, he was talking about this whole Corona situation, man. And he's like, you know, there's people out there and we all have seen it, right? Cause you know, we're cops and there's, there's always that one cop or a few cops that are telling war stories and they weren't even there. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, they're telling True, you so, it, it, it's, it's the truth. And, and, and Aaron was like kind of going through it. And I'm like, damn, man, this it is, it's everywhere. You know, it's, it's like people are, 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 you know, taking this time and they're, they're copping, please, bro. It's like, you know, instead of going out there and, 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 you know, being productive and being a better human being, you're on Instagram, like amping up the situation, making people freak out. You know what I mean? And you're not even worried. You know, you're not working on yourself. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, right. You're taking this time to to amplify a situation that's already bad to begin with. Because I'm telling you this right now, like the backlash of this COVID-19 is going to be absolutely crazy. Because not only is the economy suffering, but people psychologically are losing their shit. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, what are we doing to help that person that's like going through the motions? And you see it like you see the you know, the wheels coming off the cart, man. And it's like no one's doing nothing. So like, imagine being a kid, too, right now, like stuck in. Like, that's Yo, crazy. that's crazy. I, I think about that, man. Like, I feel like, bad I for them. I'm pain in the ass right now, and I, I, can't, I can't even get mad at them. <laughs> There's nothing that you could do. <laughs> Go outside, you run around, you come back in, that's it. Yeah. You know, I always say, you know, pick up a pick up a skill, man, or, or, or drill something that, that you, you know, you wanted to do, but you didn't have the time to do. Now's the time to work on that craft, man. It's like, you know, when Frankie had reached out to me to do this podcast, I was like, yo, man, let's do it, bro. Like, you know... I heard his mission statement, you know, and we kind of spoke about what he was about and, I, and I'm all for it. And it's funny because we have a, you know, a, a friend in common and he was like, cause me and Frank haven't physically met yet. This is just, we do this via freaking, <laughs> you know, FaceTime and then, you know, we talk on the phone daily and we text, but I haven't shake this man's hand. But, you know, we had one conversation and I was like, oh man, this dude's a solid individual. Like you could tell good energy when you meet somebody, yeah, you, know. you know what I mean? It's like, me and Frank had a talk, and I could talk about, you know, like talking to you right now. You're a stand-up guy. Within three minutes, I was like, all right, I like this dude. You know what I mean? Because it's just that energy that you give out. You know what I mean? And I have a great deal of respect for anybody who's who's had trigger time or, like, live combat on the street. Like, I, I like I always, always, always sit down and try to pick their brains just because, like, it, you know, it's – it's funny when you get on a job, right? And it's like, you know, you're, you're a young kid. And I mean, depending on when people get on the jobs, cause obviously there's guys who are in their thirties that got on and had careers prior to, but it's like, you know, you're kind of gung ho as a kid. You're like, man, I can't wait to get out there and just get into the shit. And then when I speak to my boys that have gotten to like some real live action, it's like, you kind of rescind that. You're like, yo, I don't know if I really want to, because you're not really the same person as you were before when, you know, after that, you know, we have a tool on our hip that can potentially take someone's life. Right. And, and, you know, you don't really think about it till it's staring you right in the face. And like you said, like that, that adrenaline dump, right. It's like you did it. You didn't even know you just reacted. Right. And good cops always have great reaction and just, they, they, they go off of instinct. But then like, it's the, what after it's, it's, it's like the, you know, what happens to that guy after that? 
And I always think about that, bro, because I was like, um, I remember one time I was at um, the U.S. Open uh, working in detail, and there were a bunch of truck guys there. And there was just one dude that I was speaking to. And this is the reason why I'm on the truck now is um, dude was at the, the Diallo shooting. And, okay. and they disbanded that whole crime team. So his, you know, his payoff was, hey, we'll put you on the truck and, you know, just kind of get lost there. And, like, he's telling the story, and I'm like, damn. I'm like, I don't know if I would want to put myself through that. But yet, you know, when he's telling his story, he's like, yeah, but, you know, now I'm on the truck. I was like, you know what? This is where I need to be. I need to, I need to get to the truck. Whatever it is I need to do, I'm going to be on the truck. And I kind of yeah. made that a thing, you know? I kind of went on a little rant, but it's just like, you, yeah, you, when you're talking to a good dude and he's telling you stories and it's just kicking up all this stuff in my brain, it's like, um, you know, what are we doing to help people realize their, you know, their goals? You know what I'm saying? Like, you got there's three guys on, on a call right now that are trying to, you know, make cops better, make human beings better. Let's not even talk about cops. Let's just make human beings better. Getting guys mentally stronger, physically stronger, and prepare them for, you know, things that are, you know, potentially could hurt us in the future because adversity is what ultimately hurts people. You know what I mean? Because people go through adverse situations and they're either going to do one of two things, something destructive or something positive. So it's like... That's why you got to hit them. You got to hit that mentality when they're young. You know, you got to hit them now. Like I try with my kids all the time. I want them to see like you can't, it's not going to get handed to you. You got to be physically and mentally prepared for everything. Absolutely. You know, not just biting or any of that nonsense. Everything you need to be physically and mentally prepared for because that's what's going to make or break you. And yeah. if you, oh, you're not going to lose it the older you get. It's going to get stronger. Yeah. It only. You know, I got, I got a good friend of mine now. Her kid is, her daughter has scoliosis, right? Mm -hmm. So she's got to wear that brace like 16 hours a day. Ooh. She plays girls football and trains with the wolves, and she's throwing bombs, man. Like she can play TV. So like. That mentality needs to be in every kid. Like, nothing can slow you down. Absolutely. And I think if kids start thinking like that and training like that, you know, the adult version of that kid is going to be huge. Those are going to be awesome human beings. 1,000%, man. Because that's, over yeah. time, you're just going to get better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like... That you... Like, here's a kid in the brace, man, not complaining nothing. Throwing bombs, bro, like, legit. Training with the girls, football team and stuff insane and what i'm gonna say 13 14 years old it's crazy that is crazy and the older you get the habits you've already you've already created and your mindset in life so when you try to introduce more positive mindset and habits and working hard it's it's, not, it's harder it, it's not it's not as easy as when you were younger because now you have to break those habits and break that mindset that you just created over, let's say, 25, 30, 35 years and kind of restart a new journey. And who wants to do that? Not a lot of people want to put in that hard work and suffering comes with that. So I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. But talking about helping cops and other people, Mike, what's what's the best advice you can give to someone coming out right now to the academy or just starting on, you know, let you know, less than two, three years, even me, you know, five years less, the best advice you can give to give to new cops that maybe you could have done something different or just maybe just the best advice, the survival guide, you know, best advice for anybody coming out is just don't be afraid, make a decision and, and live with your decision. Like that's, it, it is what it is, man. You cannot be afraid to make a decision on this job because that's, what's going to hurt, hurt you. you. Yeah. If you're afraid to make that decision, then 
check out now because you're not going to go anywhere or amount to anything on this job. You don't need to be a hero. You don't need, need to be none of that. Just make a decision. That's all. I see so many people, man, they can't make that decision. It drives me crazy. You know, just don't be afraid. That's if a great you're acting answer. in good faith, you know, you're acting in good faith. You have nothing to worry about. You know, that's a hell of an answer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of people was, do have a problem making, you know, making a decision. Yeah. And when you second guess yourself, that's where you end up getting in trouble. It's over at that yep. point. At that point, yeah. Don't look at, try not to look at it as a good or bad decision. Look at it like, I made this decision. Well, it didn't work out. What's the way I can learn from it? Mm-hmm. You know, not beat myself up. And I'm really happy you said that, Mike, because I've been there before. I got stuck, man. I couldn't make a decision. And I ended up, I went through hell for two years. So I, and that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to kind of share my story from the beginning was I didn't want anyone to ever get stuck and make the decision and go with it then. You know, don't beat yourself up. Is it right? Is it wrong? And, you know, for most people, it's going to eat them up if you keep thinking about that. So I'm glad uh, you brought that up, Mike. Um, so, Mike, before we wrap up, I want to ask you some uh, questions to get to know you more so listeners can get to know you. <laughs> so we're going to start with, what's your, what's your favorite movie? Ah, my or favorite. Two. You can't judge me either, man. Pride and Glory and Training Day. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was in Pride and Glory, bro. I know. That's crazy. <laughs> Yo, listen. Pride and Glory was uh, that was an experience, dude. Like, uh, when they said, they had, you know, yeah, we're going to use the actual team. You're like, all right, cool. And we see Colin Farrell, who's like 135 pounds. They had to put extra padding on him to make him look bigger. You know what I mean? Receiver. I knew that was all my Oh, bro. I was like, wow. <laughs> As he just brought oh, it back, Jay, man. That was like 2006. Yeah, you're, you're actually you're actually in that movie. Yes, I have a picture with Colin Farrell uh, sitting on the bench. Send that over here, man. Send me that YouTube clip. All right, I'll send it. I'll, I'll send it. It's only like the first like two minutes of the movie. It's like real quick. Yeah. It's, it's like, a great movie, though, man. Really, yeah, it's a great movie. Absolutely. It, it tells a lot about like that. That's about the new the new era of cops. Mm-hmm. I mean, they throw a little fall fetch stuff in, but it was kind of like it, it did hit home at some point. Yeah, that's actually um even the the footage of the of that funeral was actually like real footage. Yeah, that uh, was, uh, Eric Hernandez is uh, yes, God rest yes. his soul. Yeah, they uh, they uh, they used the footage from there. Which so that's so so where they had that funeral is where I work now. Okay. Yeah, so, that's the police department that I work for, White Plains. Good well, good choice, good choice. Training Day is a great movie I'm too. Have to Denzel's check that my out guy. For training Day, of course. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't watched um, that yet, Frankie. Um, yeah, bro. Come on, man! You're Tra- a training day, of course. Not uh, not Pride and Glory. Yeah, get Pride no, and Glory in there. I'm gonna have to get my popcorn in there. Record that freaking uh, you know, maybe have to hang that that movie poster on my wall. That's my boy. <laughs> um, one meal, Mike, to eat for the rest of your life. What would it be every day? Cheat meal or regular meal? Whatever you want, man. I'm gonna go uh, stay in everything, man. Just cut up steak and white rice. That's it. Ah, conservative. You know, I'm simple. I like that. I like that. Keep it simple, stupid, right? That's it. If you had one person to meet, alive or dead, Mike, who are you going with? Bro, I got, I got to go with. I think, I, think H. I know, but what'd you say? Got to go with Triple H, man. Yeah, triple, triple H. H. Time to play the game, baby. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Hell yeah. Triple H. Mike, if you had one time period to go in your life, if you had a time machine and you're going back to any time period. And it could be when you were born or not, or way before you were born, where would you go? I'm going to whatever the hell the Game of Thrones era was, bro. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> where I belong. 
Yo, he's got some good answers, bro. Yeah, I'm going to wield the sword, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, what's your favorite, what's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite lift uh, in the gym? If you had one, if you had one lift that you could only do for the rest of your life, what would it be? I'm going to go with the bench. Bench? Bench? Oh, man. That's like, this is what happens when you, when you CrossFit, you know what I mean? It's like, so I'm like, and I, and uh, like I'm kind of a hybrid guy, so I do a lot of um, power lifting. Tactical athlete. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I'm a tactical athlete. You know what I mean? Right, all right. Yeah, there you go. But the one thing that happened is uh, when I got in the CrossFit, they don't really bench, so I lost it. Like I like I fell off. I used to be able to hit 225 for like 22 reps. That's and, the only movement I can do now without extreme injury. Yeah, like and so now so for me, I just got to get just I got to get back into drilling the bench again because my bench is the only thing that sucks compared to, like, my back squat and my dead. Come, come down to ski this, man. Oh, right, yeah, listen, you know, man. I'm, be, when this whole shit blows over, week. I'm coming down to get a session, bro. <laughs> I told Frankie, man, it's like, as soon as this thing blows over and we can all get back to somewhat normal, we got to have a bro session and, and uh, move yeah. some metal, you know? 100%. Mike, bands are changed. I... I go with both, man. Like, if you see my videos, like, I throw them both on. Like, especially now, because we're trying to make up uh, stuff we don't have, I'll throw them both on. I'll mm. take the overload in both ways. But I know bands do help you a lot more than chains do. That, you know what it is? It's like, I, I love them both the same. It's like there's something about when you put the chains on. I don't know if it makes it look cooler, but it makes Ooh. it feel like you're lifting something, something heavier, right? It just yeah. makes it look cooler. Yeah, exactly. Bands are more Ooh. beneficial. I'm the only idiot that puts both on for an Instagram video. It looks better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the definition of ego, grand people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, Mike, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for sharing your story. I know it's not easy getting inside your labyrinth and talking about how you felt during you know, 15 years of hard work you put in and getting getting down a little bit and coming back up. And that's what it's all about, man. So thank you for sharing and thanks for, uh, you know, being who you are and making the NYPD powerlifting team come to life. Because when I tell people that aren't even on the job too and aren't on the job, oh, wow, they have an NYPD powerlifting team. So it's really cool. But I want to thank you. Before you go, remember, we're going to combine with the boxing team now. So it's going to be powerlifting boxing team for the Cops and Kids program. Oh, so shit, okay. incorporate all those kids into the mix now. All right. Um, my boy oh, Jay awesome. Spence is part of the, the boxing, right? Jay yeah, Spence, yeah, 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 yeah. He's my guy, too, bro. He's yeah, I met him at uh, No Donuts event uh, that um, Fit for Duty out on Randall's Island. And uh, he was with my boy Kai, Kai Bowen. Shout out to Kai Bowen. He's a, another uh, guy. You got to get the group together. Yeah, place. man. There's, they, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of knowledge going around here between all of us, No Donuts, Jay Spence. There's yeah, man. As soon as soon as this stuff gets back to semi normal, like I said, we're gonna get we're gonna get after it, man. I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. Um, a lot of good dudes in the room. I think good things can happen. So. Yeah. All well, right. that's all she wrote. I just want to say hey. thanks again, Mike, and thanks for everyone who's been listening uh, for the first seven episodes. We're gonna take a little break for maybe a month or so and see uh, always, you know, how we can make this better for you guys and keep it going. And uh, season two will probably be out at the end of May, maybe the beginning of June. So, thanks again, Mike. No problem. Uh, you, you know where you guys can find me. It's reps underscore four underscore responders. Jay, where can they find you, you at? You can find me at the real Jumpman Jay, spells as it sounds. And Mikey, where can they find you, I kid? 
at the Smith seven two and at MYPD underscore power Let's go. And there we go. Season one in the books. Mike, have a great day, man. Thanks you for your knowledge you. and your experience. God bless. Peace.